Welcome to Ask the Expert. And today we have uh, James Heather. He is going to talk to us um, about Stitcher, a tool for making and modifying T-cell receptor sequences. And Jamie received his PhD in the lab of Professor Benny Chain at the Department of Infection and Immunity at the University of College London, um, University College of London, where he built pipelines for the unbiased sequencing of uh, TCR repertoires. And after his graduate studies, he was recruited to the Cancer Center at uh, Mass General Hospital by Dr. Mark Cobald, where he started working on antigen presentation and immunotherapies alongside his TCR work. When Dr. Cobalt transitioned into industry, Jamie moved within the department to the lab with Dr. Aaron Hata, with whom he is currently working on identifying oncogene reactive TCRs to employ in subsets of drug-resistant lung cancer patients. And um, so welcome, uh, Dr. Heather. Thanks for joining us today. Um, and uh, can't wait to uh, hear about this new tool. Oh, thank you, Marco, and thank you for, for having me. Um, so just to say up front, I'm uh, not a diabetes researcher, but I am an immunologist. And obviously there's overlap there. So I'm going to talk to you about this tool. Uh, so give me a shout if you can't hear me or can't see slides. It looks great. Great, thank you. Uh, so I'm not going to go too much into the background. Um, as I'm assuming if you came to this, you're probably fairly TCR savvy, but just by a quick way of recap, um, TCRs are the, the means through which T cells do all the uh, wonderful and terrible things that T cells do. So it's basically, mm -hmm. They have this heterodimer of, of um, polypeptide chains, which recognize peptides presented by uh, MHC molecules. And as we have lots of different T cell receptors, we can recognize lots of different peptides. And the way that we generate all these different receptors is through this wonderful process of VDG recombination in which we have uh, unrearranged TCR loci in our, in our genomes which have these panels of gene segments which get recombined together in an imprecise way such that we can make tremendous diversity of sequences. So I'm just illustrating an example here with the human beta chain locus. And so we've got V genes in green. And if we zoom in a bit, we can see in this zooming in section here, we can see D and J genes in constant regions. And effectively one of each gets picked and there's this imprecise uh, DNA um, recombination event such that we have a, uh, we produce recombined TCRs and um, by merit of there being lots of V's, D's and J's and this being an imprecise process, there's exonitic uh, nibbling and TDT addition of bases at these edges, we get lots of different TCRs. And so that will make a, a locus which looks something like this, which can be transcribed. And after a few bits of splicing, we can get a, a leader on the five prime end and we splice out any unused J's and assemble a constant region. And we end up with a, a final TCR mRNA, which looks something like this at the bottom here kind of roughly to, to scale with this little ledger. And so we can see the thing we all know and love is the CDR3 in the middle here. So this is formed at the hypervariable joining site of all these different gene segments, uh, which forms the primary contacts with antigens. So that's mostly what people care about. And so if we want to do wet lab immunology using TCRs, this is what we need to know. We need to know the complete sequence running from the start of that um, V gene, uh, from the leader of that V gene to the end of that constant region. That is what is required for a full uh, functional expression. But for various technological and methodological reasons, we tend to only sequence a smaller map focused around that CDR3. So being generous, we tend to sequence somewhere in the middle towards the end of the V to the end of the J or the start of the constant region, um, which is fine when we're working off our own sequences. Often we're gonna be working off TCRs, which other people have sequenced and have deposited uh, in the literature or in a database. 
And in these cases, you tend to only get the name of the V gene, the name of the J gene, and the sequence very uh, proximal to the CDR3, often in an amino acid form. So we kind of end up with this, this, um, this situation where often we want full length coding nucleotide sequences. We require it for our work, for instance, if we want to make functional expression vectors and put those in cells and do some interesting biology in, in the lab. But what we have is kind of like an IKEA instructions manual. We've got the bits required to make a TCR, but not the actual finished product. That's a great this analogy. <laughs> Thank you. I came up with it today. Uh, so we, this is where we find ourselves. We have this, this VJCDR3 information recorded in the, in the literature, but we require full-length TCR sequencing. And um, I don't know if any of you here have, have, have done this the old-fashioned way, um, but it's, it's kind of slow and tortuous, and it involves text editors and pulling up lists of genes and getting out codon tables and stitching all together by hand and translating it and trying again. And it works, but it, it doesn't have many of the properties that we would like that are scientific processes to have, you know, it's not repeatable, reproducible and scalable. So that's basically what we set out to solve when we made this tool Stitcher, which I hope I can convince you does solve those things. And in fact, it wasn't really made to solve them. It was made to stop me having to do this, but then I realized that this would be something that would be useful to others. So the concept of how Stitcher works is fairly simple. So I'm just gonna talk you through a few examples um, where basically all it requires to work is the information that is provided um, in this, this minimal format of VJCDR3. And this is all using standard IMGT nomenclature. So this is standard gene names and the CDR3 is defined as running from the conserved cysteine in the V to the conserved phenylalanine in the J. And basically what it does is it first of all, looks up the corresponding germline sequences for the bits that you've given it. So it has a reference table, which is um, basically IMGT gene DB and it's gonna pull up the corresponding V and J nucleotide sequences. Um, however, it's also gonna look up the corresponding leader for the V gene, and at least when you're working with human and mice, it's gonna pull up the corresponding constant region for the J gene. And then it's gonna uh, assemble those together and try and then determine where the junction is, where the CDR3 should fit into these genes. So uh, you can provide the CDR3 in a number of different formats. Um, often you're probably gonna get it in an amino acid form, so what it does under these circumstances is, first of all, um, translate the V and J genes, um, and then try and figure out what's the overlap between the ends of the V and the J with the ends of the CDR3. Uh, so it's effectively going to go along in a kind of manner analogous to VDJ recombination. It's going to knock off bases from the ends of the V gene, say, and look for the longest suffix of the V, which matches the longest prefix of the CDR3. So in this example, you can see that this CASS motif at the end of the V is the beginning of the CDR3. So it's going to take the V nucleotide sequence up to the end of this codon and just dis dis disregard this part. And then it's going to do, it's going to take what's left, what's not feasibly encoded by the V and do the same thing, but vice versa for the J. So it's going to say that this section of the J gene is encoding the, the, uh, the end of the CDR3, so it's going to take the, CD, the J gene nucleotides from here onwards. But then we're left with this bit in the middle, which is all the non-templated stuff. So um, in the case of the, the B and or the beta and gamma chains, that's going to include any residual D gene residues, but it has no nucleotide information to be able to guess what this should be. So basically it just has a species specific codon frequency table. So for each residue, it's just going to pick the most common codon. 
So while it's not going to make the nucleotide sequence that was probably used in this T cell, it's going to produce exactly the same amino acid sequence. And then it's going to finally stitch on the nucleotide sequence for the leader at the five prime and the constant at the three prime. And um, Bob's wrong, you put a TCR sequence. And just to show you how simple the command is, it's basically just, um, this is what you, you put in your terminal. So Python is just the programming language that was used, stitches the script, and you just feed it in this information bit by bit. So it's very straightforward. But you can also provide the CDR3 as a nucleotide if you happen to have it, um, in which case it's gonna do a very similar process. Uh, but first of all, it's gonna translate that nucleotide into the corresponding amino acids. And then when it comes to try and fill in this non-templated section in the middle, it's just gonna cut out the corresponding part of the sequence you've provided it. So now the sequence it produces is gonna be somewhat much more like the original sequence, but not necessarily exactly the same because this works at kind of codon level resolution, whereas uh, VDJ recombination goes base by base. So in this particular example, you can see in this TCR, the second serine of the CDR3 was actually encoded by AGT, but um, in the germline, this is encoded by AGC. So that's what gets used. Again, same amino acids, but slightly different nucleotides. And again, very simple. We just changed one field in the command. However, there may be times or certain applications where you do need perfect nucleotide matching. And there is an option in Stitcher to, to do that. We call that the seamless option, which you enable by using this SL flag in the command. Um, but the only requirement for this is that you have to have some extra nucleotides on either side of your CDR3 just to give it enough information to, to find where it should go in. And, and under these circumstances, it does a similar suffix prefix matching exercise, but at the nucleotide level instead. So now it's going to trim away the nucleotides of the V-gene until it finds an overlap. Then it's going to cut off what's not used and do the same thing in the J and then stitch this whole thing in. So this, assuming you've got your V-gene and your J-gene exactly correct, this will precisely match both the nucleotide and the amino acid level of your intended TCR. Uh, but I know that not everyone's super comfortable in the command line. Um, so I've made a GUI version as well, a graphical version, which is also nice and interactive. So it also shows off some of the other things that you might want to do with the TCR sequence. Uh, for example, you might want to swap the leader or constant region sequences, um, or even add arbitrary sequences to the five prime or three prime. So you can have COSACs or stop codons or restriction or primer sites or something. Uh, and you can also do an alpha and a beta, or if you click a button over here, you can swap to a gamma and a delta chain simultaneously. And then you can very easily just click example data for a given species. And you can see it's populated like the minimal information required. And then if you click run stitch UI, you can see it's filled in um, the output fields here with full-length coding nucleotide sequences. And because we're doing a heterodimer, it also has the option to link those two together in one go um, uh, with the options over here. By default, it uses a P2A um, skip sequence, a self-cleaving peptide sequence, and puts that out down here. So you can very, you know, in seconds, you can produce a synthesis-ready uh, bisystronic expression construct sequence. So that's showing you how it works, but I just want to convince you that it works. So the first kind of demonstrations we did were to take TCRs from crystal structures on PDB, so in, in combination with their with their antigens, so the very um, high uh, high tolerance evidence for for their specificities, and we identified the VJCDR3s of these protein sequences, put that VJCDR3 information into Stitcher, translated what came out, and then aligned that with the parental PDB structure. And you can see for all of these examples, the stitched sequence matches the uh, PDB crystallized sequence with one exception, 
this guy down here, the alpha chain of this MAG IC3 TCR, which had this mismatch in the V gene. And then we went back to the paper of this TCR and it turns out they'd done some directed mutagenesis to increase the affinity of the binding, which is, is not a problem in Stitcher because one of its core functions is that it's based on this modular design in which each part of the TCR is just pulled from an entry in the reference files. So we can very easily just add stuff that we want to those reference files. Um, so just by way of example here at the top, I'm showing you the command that was used to generate the first um, stitched example, which did not align. What I've done is figure out the mutations, added an entry to the reference data that has this mutations, which I've just named this. And I've told Stitcher to use this extra genes flag and then rerun it. And now we produce a sequence which perfectly recapitulates the amino acid of our intended TCR. And this speaks to kind of the flexibility in the possible um, applications of stitching, you know, one thing that uh, TCR um, researchers often do is to swap in different constant domains. It's, this can help where if you want to express an exogenous TCR in a cell that already has its own TCR, you might want to prevent mispairing. So you can put in a different constant chain. So just by way of example, I've taken the, uh, the beta chain of another crystallized TCR, this is DMF5, and I've um, figured out the VJCDR3 parameters of that TCR, fed that into Stitcher, and aligned that back against this sequence that was in the crystal. That matches perfectly. So this is using the human beta chain constant region that it ordinarily uses. Nice. But we can alternatively... Uh, Jamie, oh, sorry, I, I see Karen uh, Sarasoletti has her uh, hand up. Would you take her question? Oh, sure, please. Yeah, you, can I, um, you might be getting to this, but you know, for human, there's two um, TCR uh, beta constant region gene segments. So with Stitcher, are you able to, I guess, unless you get enough sequence information, you can't tell which um, uh, gene segment is used, is that yeah. right? Well, is it just, so there's a uh, trick with, with humans, at least, because we have, um, uh, because of the nature of the locus, that it's in two clusters. So basically, if by default, if you're using a TRBJ1 cluster J gene, it will use TRBC1. If you're using a TR, uh, TRBJ2 uh, cluster J gene, it will default to cluster two. Okay. But you can override it. So in this command, when you basically, when you tell it the VJ um, CDR3 parameters, you can also add in another field to tell it which constellation you want. Okay, so for humans and mice, it will default to the appropriate one. For other species, where they've another loci where they've got more uh, more interesting gen genomic architectures, uh, you have to specify it as I don't know enough about you know like camel beta chains. Okay, great, thank you. That's a great question. Yeah, but like I said, I mean the, the joy of it is you can put whatever sequence you want there as long as it plausibly can stitch into a, a variable domain. So this is just illustrating with the human alpha, the mouse beta, or the human delta or gamma, whatever sequence you want, you can, you can very easily stitch that on. Uh, so that's um, showing the, the production of sequences, but we can very easily demonstrate that it is recapitulating the intended specificities as well. So this assay, we, we took those four TCRs I showed you the alignments for earlier, plus, plus another one, um, just to increase the numbers a bit. And we synthesized them in collaboration with a company called, called Gigimune out on the West Coast. And we cloned those into a CD8 positive TCR negative jerk outline. So this is an immortalized T-cell line, which is often used for TCR studies. And then um, we took 
cancer cell lines, which either do or do not express the relevant HLA allele to present peptides that those TCRs recognize. Uh, we CFC labeled them, so they go green, and then um, peptide pulsed them with the appropriate peptides and incubated those cancer target cell lines overnight with these TCR positive jerkats. And then we basically just look for TCR activity by looking at the CFC negative, the non-green jerkat cells, and we look for T-cell activation markers on their surface by flow. So just CD69 positive, CD62 ligand negative jerkats. And we can see for each of the five TCRs we test, we only see uh, jerkat activation when the target cell lines have the right HLA and our peptide pulse. So we're, we're reproducing both sequence and specificity. And we've also got a, a companion script called Thimble on the riffing on the theme, where this is basically just a wrapper script that allows you to run Stitcher um, in one command on any arbitrary number of TCRs. So this is basically how to make Stitcher work in a high throughput manner. Uh, so basically you just give it a spreadsheet, like a tab separated text file, which looks something like this, where every column is a feature of the TCR, every row is a different TCR, and you can do either single chains or paired chains. And again, it's very simply run, you just tell um, Python, here's the script, here's the file, go for it, and it will make a spreadsheet of your output TCR sequences. And this here at the bottom is a plot of me just timing how long Stitcher takes, uh, Thimble takes to run. This is using some bulk public data sets, which I've up or down sampled to different sizes. And you can see basically runtime is linearly correlated with the number of TCRs you put in, um, where it's doing a million sequences in under 10 minutes. So certainly when it comes to you know, functional wet lab biology, that's more TCRs than I ever expect to claim in my lifetime. And again, just to show you that it's getting the sequences right, we made use of this lovely tool called ImmuneSim, where it does uh, basically in silico simulated VDJ recombinations that makes a TCR repertoire of known sequence and VJ CDR3 characteristics. So we can take the, the VJ CDR3 bits, feed that into Stitcher in different formats, take the sequences it produces and then compare them back against the true gold standards and ask how many TCRs did it get right, both at the nucleotide level and the amino acid level. So that's the data shown here on the right. Um, so this is how many of those TCRs were perfectly correct, every residue the same. And if we just look at the gray bars, we can see no matter the input, the amino acid's always correct, which is always completely bang on for the protein sequence. So if all you care about is protein expression, that's fine. Um, if we then look at the purple, this is whether it gets the nucleotide sequences correct. Um, so if we look on the right hand first, this is using the seamless option with different amounts of padding on either side of the CDR3. Um, so whenever we're using the seamless option, uh, we always get the nucleotides correct. If we provide the CDR3 as a nucleotide, it's usually correct. There's a little difference, as like I showed in that example, if BDJ recombination has nibbled away part of the codon and then replaced it with a redundant one, it will get those ones wrong. And then if we provide CDR3s as an amino acid, it usually gets that wrong because effectively it's a codon optimized non-templated bit in the middle. And just to double check, if we look where these mismatches fall along the length of the variable domain, they're all falling in the CDR3. So it's basically behaving exactly as one would expect. So in, in summary, um, I, I expect many of you probably believe as I do that, that TCRs are very important. You know, they, they underlie a lot of very important um, biology and um, pathology. And if we want to study them, we need to clone them. And if we need to clone them, we need to get their sequences. And um, I believe that Stitcher allows you to get those sequences from the, the, the resources we have available in a manner that is quick, fast, repeatable, reliable, and um, allows you to modify them.
So I'd just like to quickly thank the people with whom I did the work. So Marta Herrera was a great tech um, on the project. Matt Spindler was the chap at Gigimoon, who was the, the, my main go-to. So he did a lot on the project, including synthesizing and cloning the TCRs that were tested in Jerkats. And then uh, Mark and Aaron were the PIs with whom I started and finished the project. And then this was all published in Nicolai Kessler's research a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's all freely available on GitHub. Um, so I, if, if you do make TCRs, I encourage you to try it out. If you're having problems, you can raise an issue there or get in touch with me on Twitter. But uh, I'm very happy to take any questions now. That was fantastic. Yeah, this is the paper that I saw, and that's what prompted me to reach out to you, um, Jamie. I think it's, this is beautiful, and it's just amazing you. that you are, uh, you know, offering it freely to the community. Um, so hats off. I wanted to see if anyone else is interested in asking a question. You can just unmute yourself, put your hand up, whatever's more comfortable. Okay, I'll ask some questions. Um, <clears throat> so as, as people start using this, uh, is there going to be a repository of, you know, what they're, you know, what they've made, what they've discovered? Uh, what's your thoughts about that? Uh, not from my side of things, I mean, I think there, there are a few takeaways that I hope people will get from it. So, for example, things like I wish people were um, more assiduous in making sure they've got their VJ, their, their TCR annotations correct. You know, for example, um, all of the examples I showed today, most of them were using, you know, when you look at the IMGT gene name of a gene, you have the allele number. Most people just assume they're always using 01, whereas... Um, there are many alleles in the human population, many of which are not uh, fully recognized, which are not one and which can have coding and functional differences. So mm -hmm. I think if, if anything, my main hope would be that people do start to do, at least where it's really important, people do longer read TCR sequencing and maybe deposit their sequences as well. You know, we, we have no limit on storage really. So we don't need to just report the smallest that, you know, we don't need to cram just into a table in the supplementary figure just be jcr through information there's no reason not to deposit whole reads mm -hmm. and the maximum tcr information that is available that's great and have uh, you know can you comment a little bit on um the adoption of this tool like who's using it um you know obviously you're in the lung cancer world but have you had you know outreach from other um you know disease states or how, who's using it so to my knowledge the majority of the people using it so far are our cancer immunologists, there may well be a bias and that's who I um, interact with most. Um, but I think certainly there's a lot of people who are beginning to adopt things like 10X single cell sequencing, where they're getting a lot of um, interesting clonal information and they want to functionally test their clones, but 10X doesn't do full length TCR sequencing. So they want to turn that into a construct where they can um, test it out. And in fact, that's one of the things. So originally, like I said, I, I, I made up the, the barest bones of the, the the simplest functions as a way, because I had a big long list of TCRs to sequence and test. And then I thought, well, someone might find it useful. So I threw it up on GitHub um, just in case. And then someone else that was doing some, I done just that experiment. They'd done mouse 10X sequencing and they wanted to turn that into a TCR. They asked if I could make it work for mice. And then it kind of grew from there. Nice. Um, and can you just talk a little bit about, I, I, you have a partnership with Gigamune. I saw on uh, this paper, also on the, um, the bioarchives paper that came out in 2021 that you guys are, you know, collaborating with them. What, what do they've got? What do they have going over there at Gigamune? So they've got a few things. I mean, I don't, 
want to speak too much about what they're doing now, but certainly in, in, the, in the times when this work was done, they were working on this really cool technology in which they do microfluidic capture of T-cells and um, they actually do a couple of rounds of Gibson assemblies such that they can clone both the alpha and the beta chain of a TCR into a single expression, a single plasmid, mm. and then sequence that plasmid. So they can do like paired TCR sequencing in one experiment. But then crucially, they can then turn that into a lentiviral library and transduce cells with, you know, you're basically transplanting a TCR repertoire. So there's a, that's what their, their um, major biotech paper, which I appeared on, was about. But I, I played a very minor role. Basically, we were hoping to use their technology for some of our stuff, um, which is kind of still in the pipeline. But that's that at the time was their core technology. But they're doing a lot of other cool things, which I'm. Yeah, not very able interesting. To we'll talk follow about. up with what um, I think I'll follow up with what they're they're up to. But yeah, and so our um, you know if people have questions you know about using these Stitcher or even you know Thimble, I mean, who do they reach out to to try to like get their hands around it if for some reason they're not you know it's not uh second nature sure. to them. yeah of course well so that the easiest person to get in touch with is, is me um uh, in fact people have got in touch with me on twitter about it uh alternatively you can um there is an issues function on uh github so if you are struggling with something you can just try it out i have i didn't say but i have actually in the the recent release that came that accompanied the publication i did include an executable version of the GUI. So you don't even need to you know, know how to run the terminal. You can just double click and it should, I hope, open the uh, GUI on its own. That's fantastic. Yeah, you can see that there's, you know, in the type one diabetes world, right? TCRs are big players um, in terms of, you know, the autoimmune response. So this seems like a really interesting sandbox for people who study type one diabetes to start digging into. And maybe I hope so, yeah. using, yeah, no, it's really interesting. And it's, um, it's, it, it looks cool. I mean, it looks like something you might want to just sort of explore and, and play around with um, uh, in addition yeah, to sort I, of I like so. really using it to, to generate the, some wet lab experiments. So um, yeah, I mean, last call for questions, anybody else from the audience? All right. Um, well, we'll put this up and hopefully, uh, I think you'll get a lot more views from this community and um, hopefully people will start using it. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. And thank you so much for getting it going. You know, uh, what Einstein says, things should be as simple as possible and not any simpler. That's sort of like a, misquote, but it, it seems exactly. like this is that, you know? That's certainly what I aim to. Yeah, really great. Great work, beautiful. Thanks, Thanks again and have a great rest of your day, Jamie. Pleasure, you too. All right, bye-bye.